0: Welcome to Verified Rx, your prescription for success. Brought to you by the Visian Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence.
1: Recruiting and retaining pharmacy technicians has never been more challenging for health systems across the country. With me today to share their experiences are Dr. Megan Sworthout, Director of Pharmacy, Patient Care Services from Johns Hopkins Health System. And Dr. Michael Alwyn, Director of Pharmacy Services at UW Medicine. I'm Gretchen Brummel, Pharmacy Executive Director in the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence, and your Verified Rx program host. Welcome to both of you. Thanks. Glad to be here. Thank you. Tell me about your background and current practice site.
2: Megan, why don't you start? Thanks, Gretchen. My name is Megan Swarthout. I am Director of Patient Care Services and Population Health for the Johns Hopkins Health System. I have always been in love with hospital health system pharmacy practice, starting when I volunteered with my grandma in a hospital at a young age. I went to Ohio Northern University for pharmacy school and then moved out to Baltimore for my residency in pharmacy administration and leadership and stayed ever since. I spent about 10 years in ambulatory care and specialty pharmacy and transitioned about a year ago to my current role which includes both acute care, decentralized pharmacy operations and services, as well as ambulatory care and population health.
1: Fantastic. Michael, how about you?
0: My name is Michael Alwyn. I grew up in pharmacy working at my dad's independent pharmacy in Illinois and went to pharmacy school at Butler University and did my administration residency at the University of Utah. I've been with UW Medicine now for 12 years. I've worked in a variety of roles, both inpatient and outpatient leadership roles across UW Medicine. And I've been in my current role for coming up on three years now where I'm director of pharmacy for University of Washington Medical Center. We have two hospital campuses as part of the University of Washington Medical Center, as well as four outpatient pharmacists pharmacies and some outpatient surgery and infusion centers.
1: Great backgrounds, both of you. Set the stage for us about the current pharmacy technician landscape. What are we looking at?
0: It's helpful to start with what hasn't changed. And that's pharmacy technicians are critical to running the pharmacy. They operate the hospital or health system pharmacies, whether it's inpatient or an ambulatory pharmacy. That role has always been critical for us. What has changed, particularly coming out of the last few years of pandemic, is we're seeing just record numbers of burnout, people leaving, and not just leaving us, but leaving pharmacy, leaving healthcare. We've had people go on to completely different industries. They've just said, you know, I'm done. And they're looking for a change. We've had a hard time both recruiting new technicians as well as retaining the great folks that we did have on our team as they go off and pursue other career opportunities. That's just made it that much harder because the volume of work has spiked and has stayed at that record high where now the new normal is we're always busy. We're always boarding patients. We're always full. There's always a line at the window. And just that increase in demand for our services and what we do, while it's been hard to recruit and retain our technicians that It's so critical to have to get that work done.
2: That's a great description. During the pandemic, the roles of our pharmacy technicians continued to expand. Before the pandemic, most of the public probably wouldn't think about pharmacy technicians as being immunizers. And now all of the public (laughs) thinks of our pharmacy technicians as being immunizers. They were important before. Their roles expanded even more during the pandemic. More and more job opportunities came up for them. And some of that has been a good thing. We've struggled for a long time in pharmacy with a livable wage for our pharmacy technicians. We talk about how critical they are. Are to the workforce, but it's also important to make sure that we're paying them a little wage that is commiserate with the value that they bring to patient care. Some of this competition has been good, and it's caused us to all look at our compensation structures and increase our compensation across the board for pharmacy technicians, which is well deserved, but it has created a lot of new challenges. We're also competing with employers who can give pharmacy technicians fully remote positions. In hospitals and health systems, we're always going to need pharmacy technicians boots on the ground in our. Our hospitals, that can be really tough to compete with when you have a fully remote, flexible work schedule opportunity. We too have certainly seen new challenges with how do we recruit and retain the pharmacy technician workforce nationally. Their roles continue to increase in value, their scope of practice increases along with our pharmacists, and we've come to the challenge that we're at today.
1: I think that's really insightful. Can you expand a little bit more on how this has impacted patient care and organizations on the whole?
2: Our pharmacy technicians are foundational to the care that we provide. It's important for us to deliver clinical recommendations and advice to our teams and our patients. But at the end of the day, we have to deliver the drug product accurately, efficiently, safely to our patients. And our pharmacy technicians are the most important part of that operational distribution process. When we're struggling with filling pharmacy technician roles or faced with high vacancy rates, we sometimes have to pull pharmacists back from maybe some of those expanded, decentralized clinical duties in order to ensure that our foundational services are met. But that comes with its own patient care implications. Who's monitoring those medications and those side effects? Who's adjusting those doses? Do we have enough of those folks to go around when we're having to backfill pharmacy technician roles with pharmacists to just stay afloat of our very fundamental operations? That's certainly has impacted us. We've all worked hard to minimize any kind of patient care delays as much as we can, but it comes with other sacrifices in the medication use system. Michael,
1: anything to add?
0: Those were fantastic points, Megan. We often think of pulling the pharmacist back to cover some of these pharmacy technician responsibilities. Another impact has been where we've been able to create advanced pharmacy technician roles, where they're able to do a lot of cool stuff Our technicians that have been with us and grown and build these skills, we've had to pull them back too because we need to be in the IV room making drugs and we have to get the drugs to the floor, bringing us back down to that common level of what our pharmacy services limited us or taken away some of our ability to perform some of those higher level functions.
1: When it comes down to it, getting the medications to the patient is integral to what we do. And we're definitely hearing from our members that they're doing whatever they have to in order to accomplish that, including some of the methods that you both talked about. What are some of the other strategies that either of you have implemented to address this issue?
0: One of the biggest ones, Megan mentioned the need for a livable wage for pharmacy technicians. Our organization has really stepped up and recognized that. And we do have some significant pay increases for our pharmacy technicians. So from the time period between August 1st of 2022 through July of 2024, our technicians are going to have just about a 20-21% salary increase. And that's in addition to salary increase they got towards the end of 2021. Those are record numbers. That's a big increase. But when we look up a little bit, salary increases are happening everywhere in every field. We had to do that to compete with retail and other jobs out in the community that really saw pretty significant salary increases, at least in our market that increased pay has been a big piece to help recognize the value of technicians and help retain people. We also have a signing bonus that we use to try and help recruit people. There is a one-time bonus with a year-long service commitment for new people that join us. And we've started partnering with our community colleges as well. Our pharmacy technician managers have been going out to the pharmacy tech schools and explaining more about the role of pharmacy technicians in health systems, what potential job opportunities. A little bit of it is advertising saying, come work for us. It'd be but also just helping to educate those pharmacy technician students of what all the opportunities are out there for
2: them. We've been an experiential education site for a lot of our community colleges and community technician training programs for a number of years. We too had to take a good hard look at our compensation and made some significant increases. We also expanded our technician career ladder. I think that retention part that Michael talked about earlier is really important. And so we added some more elements to our career ladder. What we continue to hear from our exit interviews of technicians that are leaving is that they're really looking for more growth and development opportunities. And that caused us to think in addition a ladder about a career lattice. So maybe you spend a lot of time in one of our medicine and surgery pharmacies, and you think, gosh, I'd really like to learn about taking care of pediatric patients, or I'd like to learn about making chemotherapy. How are we giving folks the opportunity and asking them the questions about what new skills they want to learn? How does it keep it energizing and exciting for them? We did follow suit of other health systems in building our own internal technician training program. We started out with that of recruiting folks from other departments, such as environmental environmental services or some of our nutrition and dietary departments. We pay for all of their training. We're very excited to share that our PTCB certification examination pass rate is 100% of everyone that's graduated from our program so far. We really work with them hand in hand and provide a lot of one-on-one coaching. And that's been rewarding for our technicians that are here, just like as preceptors working with pharmacy students, creating that meaningful relationship for our technicians and training their technicians and recognizing and giving them bonuses and additional pay for being trainers and being teachers and investing in the future of the pipeline. We haven't yet done it, but we're looking at apprenticeships programs as well. So how can we partner with high schools starting that pipeline earlier of folks that are interested in a pharmacy technician career path. That's on our radar next to work on. We also have done some things related to our own recruitment strategy. We're a multi-hospital health system. We have outpatient, community, specialty, inpatient needs. We were sometimes competing against ourselves. We were interviewing the same candidates and different offers were coming out from different parts of our organization. We really tried to centralize and streamline our recruitment. We talk about all of those areas now globally. We have one streamlined interview process that allows us to bring candidates in for interviews or we do them virtually much quicker. So they hear from us much quicker when they apply. We have standardized interview times HR just slates them into and then we get together as a whole pharmacy leadership team once a week and talk about where did they say they're interested? Where do we think they fit best? Let's make one offer that is aligned instead of accidentally internally competing among ourselves. So those are some of the changes we've made to try to help.
1: Expand a little bit for me on the contrast between a career ladder and a career lattice.
2: The general idea is that within a career ladder, there's always going to be limitations and scarcity of how many roles are going to be at the top of that ladder. No matter what we do, we probably can't, for a whole variety of reasons, have everybody at the very top of that ladder. Are there other ways? And then sometimes your superstars climb through that ladder very quickly and then they're like, what's next? there's a limit on terms of how many levels you can ultimately create. But the idea of a lattice is that you can give people new opportunities and build their skill sets horizontally. Maybe their job title stays the same, but they get new responsibilities that feel different, that they feel like they're learning new skills that they can apply in different ways that maybe help them move into an entirely different career path. Like they stay as a pharmacy technician too, but they do more in automation. And ultimately, maybe that leads to a career in pharmacy informatics. So It exposes them to more things that can feel rewarding and the fact that they feel like they're growing and developing and doesn't necessarily have to be tied to a title change or specific rungs on a ladder, which you may have limited numbers of positions for depending on your HR structure.
1: That's really enlightening to hear about the multi-pronged approach that both of your organizations are taking to this challenge. Any other novel approaches that either you're taking at your organizations or that you're hearing about other organizations using?
0: Megan, what you're sharing about working across the health system for that recruitment. And that's something that we were able to do that was at least novel for us where we had the job fairs and we had it, multiple jobs and we could route people that were interested in the outpatient, go talk with our outpatient manager, you're interested in this area and hook them up with the right person. That's something that's really exciting. And you mentioned the apprenticeship program as well. In our area, that's really started to take hold and we're seeing some of the other health systems in the area benefit from that. It's a partnership between the state and then local labor unions, as well as some health systems in the area. That program, we are very interested in trying to get involved in that ourselves. It allows for the employer would help cover the cost of the school, the didactic portion that would be carried out in partnership with the local community college, and then employ that person during school. And then they agree to a two-year service commitment after completion of their program. If you can attract and recruit people from inside the health system who you might need to keep your head on a swivel when you go down to the cafeteria or when you pass environmental services, if you start to recruit people from some of those different areas. It provides outstanding opportunities for people coming from all sorts of different backgrounds and educational backgrounds to pursue a different career in a different job and help provide that advancement. The apprenticeship program is something that is a, a really innovative way to help do that and reduce barriers to entering the pharmacy technician field. One last thing that we've done is some outreach. We've overlapped some things with our diversity, equity, and inclusion group as part of our pharmacy department, where we've done some more targeted outreach to youth programs that represent BIPOC populations or English as a second language populations and promote the profession of pharmacy as a whole. But we do talk about pharmacy technicians and what their roles are and how there's different levels of education between a pharmacy technician and a pharmacist, but it's still a good way to enter into the pharmacy profession and trying to to cast a wider net and hopefully build bridges with communities that maybe didn't previously identify pharmacy as a career opportunity for themselves.
2: That's such an important example of partnering in unique ways with the community. Our health system was recently building a junior achievement career simulation center that was really like a community hub for children to learn about different avenues and different careers in healthcare. And we were thrilled that a pharmacy was added into that simulation center. It's for younger children. And so they can fill prescription bottles with buttons. And it's never too early to start to introduce those concepts. And it's neat in that the simulation center is designed to see how pharmacists and nurses and physicians and pharmacy technicians are all working together. Michael, with the apprenticeship program, some have said, what's the difference? Why do you need both? And I'd be curious as to your take on it. It sounds like you guys are a little bit further ahead with that apprentice program.
0: The key thing that differentiates it for us is all of the didactic portion and all of that would be done by the community college. And so we would be the experiential site for their externship to gather those hours. And we would rotate them around different areas of our pharmacy so they could get exposure to working in different settings and different patient populations and with different pharmacists as well. But it takes us out of the formal education requirements and leaves that with our partner in the community who's done an outstanding job. We are really proud of the program and we've hired a lot of people from that program. And so we felt like this was the best way to partner with them rather than for us to try and create that separately.
1: That makes a lot of sense. Lots of great ideas for our listeners to choose from here. How are you tracking your success? What kind of metrics are you using to look at that success rate?
2: First and foremost is every week we relook at those vacancy rates across all of our areas. It comes in waves for us. We start to make some progress and then it feels like we get a new batch of resignations. We're also spending a lot of time analyzing our exit interview data, really going through, looking for trends there, understanding key things. Some of the things we've identified is we need to focus more on our onboarding period based on that. Maybe doing some things like partnering our technicians with a nurse to see a med administration so that they can see early on like what they're doing and how it can with patient care, you know, making sure that they have a buddy, making sure that they have a mentor. How do we really make sure that they feel connected from day one, even while we have higher vacancy rates? So those have been things that we wouldn't have known if we hadn't kind of really dug into the qualitative data that's coming out of our exit interviews and partnering with HR to be getting that information regularly from them. Certainly looking at our employee engagement scores and our overall retention rates are part of those metrics that we track as well.
0: The thing that is probably the most meaningful metric is taking a look at the schedule and seeing, do you have open shifts? How many people working overtime? Tracking that. We look at turnover (laughs) and our vacancy rates as well. It sounds like I think using that exit interview is something that we could probably tap into more. As we saw our turnover spike, we started re-employing a 30-day meeting with all of our new employees to do that really focused initial assessment of how is training going. We also assess how our interview process was, and then we try to incorporate that feedback. That was something we had done before. But I realized that in the throes of COVID and pandemic and vaccine and scrambling to do a lot of the things that we had to do, we lost some of those routine maintenance things. One of the first things we started to ask ourselves is, what were we doing? And can we re-implement those practices that worked for us before but fell to the wayside with competing priorities during the early days of COVID and sustained after that?
1: I think it's great that you're both utilizing different ways of getting feedback from the frontline staff, whether it's at that 30-day mark or from the exit interview. And I really love the concept of getting the new hires involved with the nursing staff so that they can get that patient care experience, because that's something, at least in my past, we've always struggled with pharmacy technicians to connect them to the patient care experience because of how their roles are designed. They don't always have those opportunities. So I think that's great. What progress do you expect to see or have you seen after making some of these changes?
0: We have learned from talking with our new hires about some changes that we can make to our interview process. For example, we have technicians that are now applying and they're coming from community pharmacy settings and they're applying to an inpatient job. They may not know what an inpatient pharmacy really looks like. We've gotten feedback since we're doing virtual interviews. People can't come on site and take a tour. So could we use a little video tour to at least give some context so people can identify with the pharmacy and hopefully see themselves there and working as part of the team? Just tweaking our training, making our training a little bit more efficient and more meaningful has been really good. And then finally, the last thing is we do ask, as part of our initial 30-day meeting, the new employee to help us identify anybody who's really helped them with training or helped them feel welcome to the organization. That provides us an opportunity to recognize that coworker. And that's really had a profound effect by thanking those people for training the new people. They get a little more excited or more engaged the next time that they have to train somebody because they see the value of it because they're hearing that feedback of the training I did last week was really helpful. And that person is really doing well now. Using that as a method for feedback and recognition for some of the training that our folks are doing has really helped as well
2: really looking to shift that retention curve. I don't know that we can say that all of the people that we hire into pharmacy technician roles are going to choose to be pharmacy technicians for their entire career. Hopefully some are, and we are creating more advanced roles and true career opportunities for technicians who want to do that. I would be excited to see us even start to shift from. Gosh, our average retention rate is one and a half years. To can we get it to three years? Can we retain them longer, even if they ultimately move into other things? But we are keeping them in the pharmacy space for longer, giving them time to really grow and develop into those roles. And so, would love to just shift that whole curve. That we're getting people in it longer. We have more folks that stay in it for their entire careers. But we move everybody up in terms of how long they stay with us from just the curve of the retention time period. So I think that's one of the things we're really hoping to achieve through starting to make these changes and hopefully paying more attention to stay interview data than exit interview data because there's less people leaving the organization.
1: That's great to look at both, but I can appreciate driving towards the former. So how can our frontline pharmacy staff contribute to improving this situation?
2: That's a good one. Certainly continuing to promote careers and roles as pharmacy technicians. If we think about all of our frontline staff and all the different community organizations or touch points that they might have in their regular lives, or are we selling this? Or if somebody's like, gosh, I think I really want to break into healthcare. We're saying, hey, have you thought about being a pharmacy technician or about the idea of looking for people in the cafeteria or other things? I'll say sometimes when I'm at a restaurant and I get really good service, I will talk to my server and say, hey, have you ever thought about a role in pharmacy to which my husband and then the rest of my children are mortified of why we're talking about this right now. But I do think it is just promoting it, continuing to think creatively about how we can advance roles for our pharmacy technicians, create more meaningful career opportunities for them. And then that critical part that Michael mentioned about the training and onboarding. The best thing our frontline staff can do is when we're getting new folks on, really be invested in their success and realize that their success and them feeling welcome and connected to our teams is our collective success.
0: I haven't looked out at a restaurant yet for people, but I'll put that on my list.
2: Keep those business cards handy.
0: Yeah. Megan, I've learned a couple of things from you today that I'm going to try and implement. That's something that frontline pharmacists can do is speak with their colleagues at other organizations and see what's working well. Or if they hear of good ideas that other organizations are doing, it is a time that's desperation kind of breeds innovation there. We're willing to try a lot of different things that in a different setting we would not have been able to try or, or maybe not had the motivation to try reaching out to your network and seeing what other places are doing and getting good ideas and bringing it back to your organization, I think is another good way to help with both recruitment and retention.
2: I might add you to the list, Michael. We're talking to some other Visient hospitals right now about their apprenticeship program. We'll probably reach out for more.
1: Great points, thank you both. So any final advice for folks that continue to struggle with this issue? The
0: main pieces of advice that I share with people now is never too high, never too low. We need to keep a level head. Sometimes when we do look at the vacancy rates, It can cause us to panic, which can make the workplace even more stressful, (laughs) trying to maintain a level head and focus on the problem at hand. This is a great time for innovation and to try new things. Don't be afraid to go out on a limb and see how things work. And most importantly, get feedback from your team, from the technicians that are going through it and just continue to improve it as much as you can
2: leaders in health system pharmacy and leaders in healthcare in general have the great privilege of taking care of the caregivers. If we keep at the end of the day that these are human beings that want to grow and develop and succeed, and we focus on that and how we can create more innovative, engaging workplaces so that they can take better care of patients, that's really our goal. And that feels very high in the sky and Pollyanna, but everything that we've done are honestly things we should have done a long time ago. It is a great time to seize that innovation and use continuous quality improvement principles to just experiment, take risks. If something doesn't work, that's okay. Just stop doing it and try something else.
1: I can appreciate that. Michael and Megan, thank you so much for joining us today to share your insights and expertise. It's been great having you on. Please join us for more Verified Rx podcasts. Subscribe today, like us and send us your comments. We'd love to hear from you. Verified Rx is your prescription for success and is brought to you by the Vizient Center for Pharmacy Practice Excellence. I'm Gretchen Brummel. Thanks for listening.